Arthur Balbert and Kim Brass and Carson Sestouli. This is Fangraphs Audio. My guest on this edition of Fangraphs Audio, making one of his regular appearances in the program. It's one of his regular appearances. He's the progenitor of JAWS, or the Jaffe War Score Metric, devised by Jaffe to help determine Hall of Fame worthiness. More recently, he's the author of Cooperstown Casebook, and more and more recently, he has become a member of Fangraphs.com. It's Jay Jaffe. Jay Jaffe is the guest. And on this edition of Fangraphs Audio, we are invited to Jay Jaffe's Cooperstown. We learned, for example, about a terrifying trip he took from Secaucus, New Jersey, I think it was, to Cooperstown recently for Hall of Fame weekend. Uh, we learned when not to visit the Hall of Fame gift shop. Important information like that. And uh, finally, Jaffe recounts Cooperstown in winter. He tells us about Cooperstown in the winter season, which I gather is sort of like the song Sweet Baby James Come to Life. Uh, also discussed here, Jaffe's Replacement Level Killers series, the lessons he learned from it, chief among them that the Colorado Rockies have many holes, and finally, the prevalence of hand, foot, and mouth disease among New York pitchers. A very real problem, it seems. Finally, I ask Jaffe uh, if he regrets his decision to appear on Fangraphs Audio. Here's his unnecessarily earnest response. Yeah, it was not the best idea I've had. Painful. Painful, Jay Jaffe. We will get to that conversation with Mr. Jaffe momentarily, but first, it is both my pleasure and also my professional obligation to announce that Fangraphs membership... Fangraphs... <laughs> to announce that Fangraphs memberships exist for reasonable sum. Readers of Fangraphs.com can support the great work that appears in those electronic pages, and for a slightly less reasonable sum, not unreasonable, but slightly less reasonable... Those same readers, if they so choose, can acquire what is known as an ad-free membership, which allows one to browse Fangraphs.com without the burden, the onerous burden, of banner ads, not only facilitating faster loading speeds, but also liberating one from the tyranny of advertising and also the distortive effects of advertising. The tyranny of it and also the distortive effects, the effects that are distorted. Fangraphs membership uh, and ad-free membership, available only uh, at Fangraphs.com by going there clicking and clicking and clicking ad infinitum till all of the clicks uh, have been used up. With that advertisement now complete, let us move on to our conversation with Jay Jaffe. What is it? It is Fangraphs Audio. Who does it feature? Senior writer at Fangraphs.com. Jay Jaffe. And what does it begin? I think I can manage that. Yeah. <laughs> oh, did you ever want to be interesting, Jay? Did you ever like, or did you ever think to yourself, mm, "I am interesting"? It's not something I really contemplated losing much sleep over. At any point in your life, you never thought when you were seventeen. Have you ever? Here's a here's a question that is another way of getting at this. Have you ever smoked a clove cigarette? Oh God, no comment. <laughs> How old were you? <laughs> no, like I said, no comment. <laughs> now, on the one hand, you're not, you know, you're not playing along in what um, the way the improv comedians would suggest, right? You're supposed to yes and me. You know, you're not supposed to say no comment. But on the other hand, what you're doing by saying no comment is you are speaking volumes, Jay Jaffe. Uh, like I said, no comment. <laughs> and that's the rule of threes. So you've you've uh, uh, alighted on a on a different sort of uh, comic principle, I guess, accidentally. <laughs> yeah, I think that um, yeah, smoking clove cigarettes is uh, is a way to reveal yourself. I I think I tried it. I I was never very good at smoking though. 
<laughs> well, you know, it's not one of those things I think that you that you want to be an expert at. That's for sure. I don't think it helps. No, no, I don't think it, I don't think it's good. I think that there are times when you you know if you uh, are able to confine it, but it seems to uh, it seems to kill people. <laughs> I don't I don't want to yeah. be controversial. Yeah. But, uh, but it seems to kill people. Yeah. Well, you know, hey, look, in, in, in this day and age, uh, there are any one of a number of things that, that can kill us. And uh, uh, as I'm reading the, reading the headlines coming over Twitter, it seems like this administration is working to find more by bringing back asbestos. So, hey, you know, pretty soon you won't even need to take up smoking. It'll just you'll just get your carcinogens from, you know, from your building. And if that's not good enough, find some lead paint because that'll surely be, be making a comeback, too. <laughs> My dad, uh, one time, I watched him. This is after my parents were divorced, and they both found themselves in financial ruin. He bought a, I say modest, two-family house in Concord, New Hampshire. I'm sure that's what the real estate description of it was. <laughs> but like, if something says modest in the real estate description, that means maybe it has three walls. <laughs> Um, yes, I think I think I've looked at some of those modest apartments in my <laughs> in my time in New York City. I mean, triangular yeah. triangular shaped landings that you couldn't fit a chair on, counting as floors. Yeah, you're like, well, who was this for? For what? Not not for what kind of person was this designed? For what species <laughs> was it designed? Yes, he think... he he bought a house that was so it was two two things were very strange about. It. For, I mean, first of all, it was not just like it it was old and kind of falling apart. But second of all, it was painted in an olive green that was the same because it had been previously owned by a state policeman in New Hampshire. And state policemen, they got free paint or heavily discounted paint for their cars. So what he did was he acquired a bunch of drab olive green paint for his car, but he just painted his house that color. <laughs> so that was one. Classy. So it was. It was. It was um, fully covered in olive green state police paint. Uh, and secondly, it had asbestos everywhere. And my dad was just like, "Yeah, I'll remove that." Oh no! But he's a. He's not a person for whom that's a, one of his skills. Yeah. He's an insurance salesman. Ah. Uh, so oh he probably boy. was slowly murdering himself. Jeez, that's that's no good. Yeah. That's, that's no good at all. Yeah, I guess it's a dark tale in the end. <laughs> he's fine right now, though. So he also he also eats. Um, he's allergic to almost everything, and yet he just goes ahead and eats everything. So he's uh, he's he's lived in, with danger. Yeah, he's li- lived in living danger bo- living boldly, huh? Yeah, I guess that's one of the ways you you could describe it. He's an extreme liver. Hey, hey, uh, Jay Jaffe, prepare for a segue. Speaking of danger, Jay. Yeah. You recently took an auto trip. To, uh, yes. to, 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 to Cooperstown, upstate New York, to very upstate, to, New York. to central New York, really. Central, yeah. New Yorkers will 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 get quite huffy if you say upstate New York when you mean Cooperstown, because it's, when does it's that, much where does more upstate central. end? Where does upstate end? Has this been? <sighs> I I don't know, but it, but Cooperstown is definitely qualifies as uh, as central, and I had to uh, I had to be very careful in in the uh, advertising copy of pertaining to the book on the jacket and the intro and things like that. Uh, disputes disputes were had. <laughs> Whoa! With, wait, between you and your editors, between you. No, and... it was it was. It, I think readers were you know readers were pointing out to me. I think I I, I used upstate in one in some place, and and some readers said, hey, you know, I think central is probably more accurate here. And, and then uh, my editors and I realized that I had not been entirely consistent with how I with how I referenced it in various parts of the book. Do you think that maybe upstate New York refers mostly to the Hudson Valley? Oh, you know, I think upstate. You know, it's, I mean, Hudson Valley is probably not 
probably still not quite upstate enough. I mean, I'm thinking like Syracuse. You think Syracuse counts? Maybe. I don't know. I, I'm, I don't have a great, I, I'm going to be honest with you. I don't have a great grasp of geography anymore. <laughs> anymore? <laughs> well, at one time, I at, at one time I did. Okay. At one time I did. What about Albany? Is that upstate? Albany is still, you're, you're still central pretty much. Okay. I mean, it's, right. it's upstate to us New Yorkers, you know, especially to those of us who, who rarely get above 14th Street in Manhattan. But, mm-hmm. uh, and that's actually to me the proper response. Where does upstate New York begin? 14th Street. <laughs> yeah. All right. That's fair enough. Yeah. That's fair enough. I'll accept it. I have no, uh, I have no real stake in the game. I was just curious. But so you drove, but you, you, you took what I think is a terrifying trip. Yeah. It was not the, Best idea I've had. I wanted to get up to Cooperstown for a Hall of Fame induction weekend, uh, in part because I wanted to uh, have the chance to sell copies of the Cooperstown casebook on Main Street on Saturday when there are a lot of festivities going on and uh, uh, inductions aren't until the next day, but there are uh, there are Hall of Fame related events that day. The uh, ceremonies for the uh, Frick and Spink Awards uh, for the for the broadcaster and uh, which, by the way, uh, both writer. sound like uh, German words for something very naughty. Yes, well, <laughs> and those Frick and Spinkers, man. Um, and then there's then there's also a uh, a parade of the uh, Living Hall of Famers who have returned for the ceremonies. Um, I I did not partake in any of those this year, but uh, to get back to it, so I had planned to drive up, and I could not quite persuade Emma, my wife, uh, to bring herself and our daughter on this trip. They made it last year. This year, however, um, you know, with uh, Robin being uh, pretty much in the midst of the terrible twos, even though her second birthday is not until later this month. Oh, so she's uh, precocious. Uh, she is very precocious. I mean, she is talking in full sentences already, and, and they're terrifying. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I see you, Dad. Is yes. that what she says? Yes. <laughs> So basically, I was going to have to go it alone, which is which is a bit of a problem because I'm not the driver in this family. I have I I moved to New York City in 1995, uh, at which point I ditched my car, the car that I had brought back from uh, from Salt Lake City to the East Coast, uh, and had subsequently uh, uh, endured getting stolen twice and broken into once and towed once and all kinds of just mayhem. Uh, had uh, afflicted this car and I was ready to be done with cars and New York was one of the few places you can live uh, comfortably without a car. So I haven't owned a car since then, but uh, in order to do, to get upstate, you really do need to drive at some point. The last time I went to Cooperstown uh, by myself, uh, I took a train to Albany and then grabbed a car there and uh, shortening the drive. This was uh, February, 2016 when I was, when I was going up to research some final stuff for the book. But this time I got the brilliant idea that since I, I was scheduled to appear on MLB Network, uh, MLB Now on, on that Friday, I was going to pick up a car either in Secaucus, where the, where the headquarters, MLB headquarters is, or at uh, Newark Airport. Unfortunately, on a Friday afternoon, uh, the show gets out at 5 o'clock, and on a Friday, this particular Friday, there was a huge rainstorm coming in, monsoon practically. And long story short, it took me three hours from the end of the show to the point when I was sitting by myself in the rental car uh, at Newark Airport. And by the way, uh, listeners should recognize, this is the first time Jay Jaffe has ever uttered the words, long story short. Yes. <laughs> Continue. Well, let's see. Uh, uh, shuttles went missing. Train stops went missing. At one point, I found myself in Rahway, New Jersey, which seems like a great place to die if you're a mangy dog. Um, and uh, uh, I had to double back. And finally, I'm in the car. It's about 8 o'clock. It's already kind of dusk, and it's raining. 
and uh, I'm navigating on my on my uh, iPhone, and you know, fortunately, I've figured out how to uh, uh, get the Bluetooth paired up, so I don't have to keep looking at my phone, and I'm I'm getting the uh, the sound over the uh, over the stereo system. But I'm driving through sheets of rain, and I haven't had dinner, and uh, I'm all oh yes, let's let's not forget, I'm also on five hours of sleep because the little tyrant was asking me to sing her "Mary Had a Little Lamb" at six a.m. She uh, <laughs> she's going through a phase right now, and we have a ritual where we sing a couple songs to her before bed. And yeah, that's uh, right. That's it's, it's good. I know from reading the books, it's good to have a a, a pre bedtime ritual so that uh, the yes. child is essentially lulled to sleep. Yeah, unfortunately, she's been getting testier and testier about uh, about the song selection, and now you know they're the half dozen songs that we that we cycle through. She's asking for a medley of all of them, and then she will. You know, she will ball uh, for, you know, for several minutes, uh, uh, no matter where we cut it off, uh, even if we, especially if we refuse to repeat, you know, one of the, one of the, one of the hits. It's a, it's a strong rhetorical device, <laughs> loud crying. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And look, we're, you know, we, we've sleep trained her. We, we started sleep training her a long time ago and we were pretty, pretty successful with it. But right now she's kind of regressing, I think, as her, you know, as, as her capabilities of communicating just increase exponentially with it with you know with with every month it's just she can she has more ways to express her displeasure than ever before but also i think still a lot of frustration about what you know what she can and can't do so i'm up at 6 a.m she's sobbing and you know in a way that makes you think okay this is not your normal you know i'm just mildly uncomfortable and can self-soothe type crying this is i need a parent uh in here and so I came in and uh, all of her binkies were still in the crib. And she's like, Daddy, sing me Mary Had a Little Lamb. And I'm like, oh, my God, just kill me. Um, so Those are not the lyrics, by the way. Yeah, no. So uh, so I'm on very little sleep and I'm in the car and it's getting dark and it's raining. And the first half hour of the drive is pretty miserable. Actually, no, the first half hour is okay. It's the next half hour that's pretty miserable where just sheets of rain and I've got the wipers going as fast as I can as I'm getting uh basically crossing out, out of New Jersey and back into New York state and uh you know and I'm getting hungry and it's just it's just not a fun drive at all and and uh you know fortunately I had enough music and enough uh caffeine in me to to keep me going uh finally the last leg of the drive uh, as it's approaching midnight I'm like 20 miles out of town and I'm going on some some extremely unkempt roads uh uh in rural Cooperstown uh, or, or near rural Cooperstown, which let me point out, this is not the way to do the drive ever, because part of the joy of driving to Cooperstown is is that last, you know, is that is the rolling the the rolling green hills, the farmhouses, and all that. Uh, it's a very scenic drive, and doing it, you know, in pitch black uh, is is no way to appreciate it. But so about uh, twenty minutes from you know from uh, from where you know from my destination, suddenly the rain comes back, and it's like I'm going through a car wash. Just absolutely like I'm stopped on the middle of a dirt road, waiting for a minute here until I can you know see clearly enough out of the windshield wipers and. Finally, uh, that patch of rain passed and I, I was able to get to my destination and, uh, it's straight up midnight and I was like, oh my God, this is one of the dumbest ideas I've ever had. I'm glad I'm safe. <laughs> well, it, that sounds uh, very trying. I, did you feel more like Lewis or more like Clark under these circumstances? <laughs> <laughs> I'm not sure I can make a distinction between the two of them. No, in fact, I have no, uh, I don't know anything uh, different about them. 
uh, between them. I mean, here's a question. How many times have you been to Cooperstown, Jay Jaffe? Uh, I think five. Five? Okay. I think five. Uh, starting back in 2000, I was uh, on a uh, weekend trip upstate with a girlfriend. And, and when she heard I'd never been to Cooperstown, we were, we were, uh, uh, we were nearby, uh, you know, hiking in the mountains. And, she, and when she heard I'd never been to Cooperstown, she, she insisted we go. Uh, and then a few years later, I went up with a friend who was, uh, needed an extra pair of hands while researching his book. Mm-hmm. Uh, as he as he uh, went through the photos uh, in in the library, and then uh, that was maybe I think two thousand three, and uh, then I didn't get back until two thousand sixteen when I went up uh, in the dead of winter to do some research for the book, and that was actually a great trip, even though it was uh, below zero at points uh, in in every day that I was up there, and it snowed profusely the first day that I got there. If you ever get the chance to visit the Hall of Fame in the in the dead of winter when nobody is around, do it. You know there were I had. Uh, Days when I was the only person in the in the library, the only person in the plat gallery. You know, it's like one of those scenes in the the hospital chapel uh, where you're sitting by yourself. I mean, you just go in there and you can commune with the plaques, and uh, that's pretty cool. But then, uh, so then the next time after that was last summer, uh, the week the book came out, I went up for induction weekend and I did the whole nine yards there, including selling the book on Main Street, and uh, that was why I wanted to go back. So I did. So is this your second induction weekend then? Yeah, it was my second induction weekend. And unfortunately, I had to beat it out of town while the induction ceremony was going on. Uh, beat the traffic is what you do beat, in that case. Well, it's be, not only beating the traffic, but uh, all of my book promotion uh, this summer, which had included a, uh, a trip to D.C. a couple weeks earlier, plus the Fangraphs outing in Denver, had left my wife, uh, had left me overdrawn in the uh, in the parenting department uh, when it came to taking care of the little monster. <laughs> so, yeah, you got yeah, uh, and with the trade deadline looming, because uh, for some reason the Hall of Fame can't get it through its thick head that the events would be better served if it, if they weren't on the final weekend of July, when when uh, half the sport is focused elsewhere, if not more. The first weekend of August would be a perfect month. Yeah, exactly. It would feel like a vacation for people covering it. You know, it just and in it, fact, that's oh. I think that's probably one of the most popular weekends for vacationers. Yeah, uh, the the first or second week of August. Yeah, it seems like it would be blindingly obvious, but you know we're dealing with people for whom the blindingly obvious is is perhaps <laughs> elusive. Now, are you are you a celebrity in Cooperstown? Like when uh, that's you walked down the street, or... no. I mean, you know, look, people once in a while somebody will recognize me. You know, I'm I I do I think uh, because I I get on TV and because this mustache sort of precedes mm-hmm. me in reputation. You know, people will recognize me, but I I mean, come on, there's how can you be a celebrity in a in a in a town where like Ozzy Smith and Joe Morgan and and uh, you know Hank Aaron are, are walking around? Just, Has anyone it, asked uh, ever to touch the hem of your garment? No, no. <laughs> no. What about anywhere else in your garment? <laughs> no. <laughs> Well, I guess then maybe it's not a, at least it's not sort of like a, uh, a Swami level fame, right? No, it's, it's, it is, as my former colleague at at Baseball Prospectus, now uh, in the Astros front office, uh, Kevin Goldstein once said, we're not famous, we're not even niche famous, we're niche, niche famous. (laughs) Yeah, that's a, try try and make a Venn diagram out of that. Yeah, yeah. 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 is this a place Cooper's now I've been, but I have not been for some time, but, uh, having taken, uh, hap- haphazardly gone up and down main street by way of Google maps mm-hmm. to fill in the blanks of my memory. Is this a, is this an entirely, is this a baseball centric economy? Oh yes. Oh, very much so. I mean, you know, when you're up there in February, a lot of these souvenir shops are closed. 
you know, the bat companies are closed. Uh, the, the liquor companies are, 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 are closed. I mean, geez, I don't know what they do for, you know, how, how they get through the winter there. Oh, that's wow. Yeah. It's, um, it's it, the last to go. Exactly. I mean, you know, Oma gang is, is open. I, unfortunately, I haven't made it to Oma gang in my, in my trips up there. I've, uh, consumed uh, a fair, a fair amount of Oma gang beer, but, uh, and haven't made it to the brewery, which unfortunately is not within walking distance of uh, of Main Street. Mm-hmm. But it's uh, yeah. But looking around, it seems everything is is Mickey's place and Yastrzemski. Yeah, this place has bats, and that place. Yep. Yeah, I bought, a... I bought I bought two Brooklyn Dodgers hats at Yastrzemski's this time. I had I had a a, a uh, an older cap that was going to seed, and I I, I took some of my. Uh, uh, some of my millions of dollars of profits from selling books and uh, plunked it down on their two for fifty dollar deal. Uh, the Cooperstown collection hats. So Yastrzemski sells what? That sells uh, various it's various like you know souvenirs, souvenirs. and uh, you know and, and t shirts and caps. They have they had the best collection of caps that I've seen. Uh, I wasn't going to go into the Hall of Fame gift shop because that's just a kamikaze run during Hall of Fame weekend. You shouldn't, you know, if, if, no, unless you're clear. serious about, yeah, unless you're serious about going in there. Did you go into Shoeless Joe's apparel, autographs, memorabilia, and souvenirs? No, I didn't go into that one. I, you know, I was pretty much all, all business and beer. Uh, did short, you go, I, did you go to Key time. Bank? No. There's a Key <laughs> Bank. <laughs> it's right across from the pizzeria. A place I think is just called Pizza, Pizzeria. No, no, it's not called just Pizzeria. It's called Sal's. Sal's. Yeah. Yeah. You didn't go to you didn't go to the key bank across from Sal's Pizza. No. No. I I was I was flush with cash. I, I was because I was. Selling, I bet you were. I was I was selling books. I didn't need any ATMs. I had, I had a big uh, big stack of bills. You know, I'd appreciate it right now if you would remind us the title of your book and where where people can purchase it. It's the Cooperstown Casebook. It's uh, uh, from Thomas Dunn, D U N N E Publishers. Came out. Mm-hmm. Uh, July of 2017. Uh, you can buy it uh, on Amazon and BarnesandNoble.com. Should mm-hmm. you desire, you can if you desire a signed copy. Uh, I believe uh, Politics and Prose in Washington D.C. has uh, several left over from the event that I had there with uh, Keith Law last month. And then, uh, if you want a signed and personalized copy, uh, you can buy it from a place called Greenlight Bookstore in in Brooklyn. Just go to cooperstowncasebook.com and you'll find links to that. But uh, I go there and sign books on demand, uh, personalized to your whim, and uh, I'm happy to do it. I'm happy to support uh, a local independent bookseller. If you have a particular favorite local bookseller, you can also look on indiebound.com. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you want to buy it from Powell's or you know your nearest neighborhood indie, I, I certainly support that. My days of breaking on the uh, Amazon bestseller charts are, are, are long gone. And, if uh, I want, if I got in touch with Greenlight Bookstore. Could I ask you to inscribe a book? It says, To Carson, I am number one fan of ISIS. Sincerely, JJ. <laughs> I, I probably would not put that. You wouldn't do uh, that? I probably wouldn't, wouldn't put that, but I would, prob- I would probably find, a, find a, a clever way to subvert that. What if I, what if I, <laughs> what if I wanted to say, uh, uh, Dear Carson, Hitler was misunderstood. Sincerely, Jay Jaffe. Yeah, probably not. Probably not. Yeah. Probably okay. Not. All right. I just wanted to know what, <laughs> what I could get out of you. Yeah, not, not but that but one. so you, what are you what are you outside? Is there? I, I assume there's some sort of uh, bookstore or some. What you're working in Cooperstown? You're out on the sidewalk. What, uh, the yeah, a place called Willis Money Books, which is actually a used bookstore. They have uh, they have a stand outside, and uh, uh, you you know you make arrangements to book a two hour slot there. And this year, actually, because there was nobody booked after me, I, I had uh, I, I was out there for three hours, and the third hour was uh, uh, some of the briskest business all day. Do you shake any hands? 
Yes, shake hands, uh, pose for kiss, pictures. Kiss any babies? I uh, did not kiss any babies this time. Last year, I kissed my own baby. That's what you got to do, yeah. This year, I, I did get to uh, uh, pose for a photo with uh, John Thorne, the official historian of Major League Baseball. Oh, yeah. John has uh, uh, become a friend over the years and uh, uh, always good to, to talk baseball with him. And uh, uh, just by standing there, he's giving me an implicit endorsement. So Whether he uh, wants to gotcha, or not. Gotcha, John. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It is, it, it's true. It's important uh, to make sure that you shake hands and kiss babies and not kiss hands and shake babies. Because yeah, rather... look, before you, I mean, I'm sure you know this, uh, before you, uh, at least in New York State, the law is, you know, before you take your newborn home from the hospital, you've got to watch a video about don't shake the baby. Don't shake baby. Don't shake the baby. It's a good law. I think that's a good law. Yeah. It's the least you can do to keep it's, it. Really is, it really does bear repeating, uh, especially for first <laughs> for first time customers. Yeah, and also because uh, what people may not know, or, or may, may people know, but you, but uh, when it's three a.m., you know, you're not at the the height, the very height of your reason. Is that babies can be so annoying? Newborns, uh, I mean, they they all have their own special ways of making your life terrible. But newborns uh, yes. have no uh, respect for the circadian rhythm. Well, they have no concept of time except yeah. their own stomachs, and yeah. and that's really what it comes down Which to. Which I suppose, you know, if they were uh, maybe uh, if they were mystics and they had no concept of time, then you might say, well, that's per- maybe allows them to, um, you know, pursue their their spiritual journey more fully. <laughs> but um, these these people are not going on spiritual journeys. These newborns, they're no. just there to. They're just idiots. Del- well. I mean, you know, sometimes delightful idiots, but. Idiots. <laughs> well, that's uh, that sounds very exciting. That sounds, the whole thing sounds very exciting. You like this? You like this? You don't like this? It's the Cooperstown going to Cooperstown. I love whole, going. To, yeah, yeah. The, the I love going specifically. I love going to Cooperstown. I have uh, uh, become very good friends with Jeff Katz, the uh, former mayor of Cooperstown, and a fellow Thomas Dunn author. He did uh, Split Season, nineteen eighty one, a book about the uh, the infamous player strike that year. He has uh, he has uh, graciously played host for the last couple of years. Uh, uh, this year, because I didn't have a family with me, I I was uh, crashing on the couch. But uh, he's got uh, some some neat friends whom uh, he plays host to in this uh, a house that apparently for, used to be a a B and B before he bought it, and so they have uh, room for a few friends. And uh, oh, yeah. it's it's a very interesting uh, and diverse group of people. And uh, did you have uh, a four poster bed? No, I was like I said, I was on a couch. Oh right, okay, yeah. But it was it was it was a, as couches as couch sleeping goes. It was a pretty good couch. Yeah. So uh, you know, sitting, hanging out and uh, uh, drinking some beers and uh, uh, shooting shooting the breeze with uh, you know some other uh, baseball geeks. Uh, you guys smoke any clove cigarettes together? No. No. <laughs> That's a straight no. You're getting yeah, now. straight no. Straight no. Straight no. Yeah. Didn't, didn't smoke anything. Didn't smoke anything. Yeah. Well, it sounds delightful. Now, listen. Let me ask you about this, Jay. I'm going to ask you, I'm going to ask you, this is a, this might be a challenging question or it could not be a challenging question. I don't know. You are at this point, you are a little bit Dr. Hall of Fame, right? Yes. Yeah. I, yeah. Yes. I, I have, I've been fortunate that, uh, that, uh, people have, uh, given me, uh, you know, I guess I've built it up, built up enough credibility in that area that, uh, uh, that people do actually take what I say seriously. So here's a question. Are you ever, uh, worried that you will be typecast now as Dr. Hall of Fame, or do you just uh, delight in the questions concerning the Hall of Fame so much that you're not concerned about that? Uh, you know, I worry. You know, I guess I worry a little bit about the typecasting. I think I do see it in some places. There are, are 
you know, certain outlets where, uh, that has become, uh, my lot is, uh, you know, as opposed to the, the, uh, the, the rest of the analyses that I do to keep uh, the lights on here by writing daily at Fangraphs. Oh, Fangraphs.com. Yeah. Fangraphs.com. Yes. You may be familiar with it. Mm -hmm. Um, but, uh, at the same time, I am very thankful to have a niche where I stand out in a crowd. You know, there are a lot of excellent writers out there who I think, uh, uh, would kill to be the go-to person in an area, uh, in any area, whether that's, you know, pitch FX or, or uh, you know, history or, or whatever. And uh, to have, you know, built up this little niche where, you know, I'm somebody who, who gets asked these questions, but, you know, anytime, uh, you know, uh, this year was, you know, with, uh, with Jack Morris going and I had Minnesota writers, I had Detroit writers uh, calling me for comment and, uh, you know, and, uh, I've got uh, other. What do you, you know, tell them? What do you tell them about well, Jack it, Morris? Because it, it depends. Think... It depends what they're asking. I mean, you know, it's uh, with Jack Morris. I mean, obviously, I I, I uh, was was not uh, inclined to support him. I actually worked uh, to discourage voters from from supporting him during his run on the uh, the writer's ballot. But uh, um, you know, he's in nonetheless, and I'm I'm happy for him. But I don't think that uh, you know that, uh, and it's not personal. I just don't think that Jack Morris his career is in line with the standards that uh, uh, have evolved when it comes to judging Hall of Fame starting pitchers. And, uh, you know, I think my, you know, my work uh, is about, you know, trying to focus on the objective qualifications for Cooperstown and understand, you know, where objectivity ends and where, where the subjective uh, comes into play and to, you know, to understand, you know, what things I think, you know, what things are more valid than others and, and, and all of that, and to try to serve the arguments well. I might have asked you this question before, but it seems like an important question, so I'm prepared to ask you again, which is, is your vision, you say that, A, you're happy for Jack Morris, B, not only did you not actively campaign for him, you, to some degree, actively campaigned against him. Is your sort of, is your vision of it that you want the Hall of Fame to be as efficient, essentially, a meritocracy as possible? Yeah, I mean, efficient is probably not. The, you know, I think efficient not- is, efficient is a dangerous word to use right. these days. Yeah. I mean, I think we've you know we've 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 gone overboard. Uh, in representative of, meritocracy. Yeah, re- yeah I, I, yes, I do want it to. I do want it to be representative. I think representation, you know, by era uh, and by position is important. I think there's a there's a cultural cultural aspects to it as well. I do want it to be a meritocracy, and I do want it to be you know more than just people uh, citing a junk drawer of stats like, oh, well, he's the only guy to have this many wins and this many strikeouts and this many saves and this, you know, and just like, you know, so many arguments. I think if you look back at what, uh, you know, I think what Bill James was writing about a generation ago, you know, there's the distinction between analytics and trivia <laughs> was not always clear. And, and I've tried to, I've tried to focus the arguments on, you know, what is the real value of this? I don't care if a guy had 500 doubles or 500 home runs. What did that, what did what he do you know, mean in, in terms of value, because it's just not just trivia here. And because baseball has evolved over time, I think we have to allow our arguments to evolve as well. Right. That's an interesting distinction too. Um, and I, I think one that's important to revisit uh, with some frequency, which is the, that distinction between analytics and trivia. Yeah. I, you know, I mean, we can, you know, I think there are, there are stats that are meaningful and stats that aren't. And, you know, when you spend, I think when, when, you know, when you're on the outside looking in, I think it's all, it's all fun. 
you know, all these numbers are fun and, and, but it's also easy to get lost in them. And I think when you, you know, when you professionalize this and you, you, you realize that, uh, you know, people only have so much attention for, you know, for baseball numbers, you know, you start to focus on, okay, what, you know, what actually works here? What, what, what of these numbers matters, you know, and you, as we've, as the tools have gotten better to measure those numbers, I think, you know, the focus has, has increased on that. And I think, you know, with regards to, you know the the numbers are tools, and the you know the the metrics are tools, and I think our tools are have gotten so much better over the last generation or two that uh, it really has changed the Hall of Fame voting, and and uh, and I know I've been a part of that, and uh, you know I, I I guess it's I guess that's a you know getting back to having a niche, that's a nice thing when people when, you know, when people you know credit me for helping what was uh, an unruly process become I guess a little bit more orderly, a little more ruly. A little more really. A little more really. Hey, <laughs> let me ask you uh, about something that has nothing to do with the Hall of Fame, um, but does have something quite a bit to do with some of your recent work for the site, and that is uh, a recent series that you published at the site called The Replacement Level Killers. I think that you had done something similar to this at Baseball Prospectus, maybe on more than one occasion. Yes. Uh, but you revisited it for the site. Yes. It was, I was actually, it was a, it was a, um, it was originally done for a 2007 baseball prospectus book called It Ain't Over, the great, uh, baseball prospectus pennant race book, where I wrote about the 1959 National League three way race between the Dodgers, Giants, and Braves, uh, and then the 1967 four way AL race that, uh, where the Red Sox came out on top. And, you know, I think we, we were, this was a, an idea that I came up with Steve Goldman, who was the editor of the book. And I know he makes uh, occasional appearances on uh, on uh, Hardball Times these days. And uh, I had in mind the, uh, the that movie, uh, The Replacement Killers, which was then not too far in, in distant memory and a uh, pretty decent action movie. And uh, it was a title that stuck and I revisited it over the years at BP. But And I think I tried to revisit it at SI, but I <laughs> looking for it, I couldn't find an example of uh, where after the first year that I was there where I'd done it, even though it felt fresh in memory. But it was it was fun to revisit it because the concept is okay. Which teams are getting replacement level production at positions while contending, and you know where could that be the difference between making the playoffs and missing the playoffs? Yeah, and actually, sometimes there's a bit of an advantage almost for a team that's contending that has a very obvious weakness because even a, even a modest acquisition, modest replacement, could make the team significantly better just by virtue of the fact that. Otherwise, that's that, uh, or because that that one position has been so poor up to you know. Yeah, today. you know, and when, if you look at if you look at the transactions, you know, that that took place on or around the deadline, a lot of them were were, were checking those boxes off the list, and which was fun because it made made analyzing some of these deals uh, uh, a little bit easier. I mean, knowing that say. Uh, uh, I just written about the Indians' uh, black hole in center field, uh, and they went out and got Leonis Martin. Uh, it's like, oh, I know exactly why they did this. I can, I've got the numbers right at my fingertips here to show you how bad the Indians have been here. And that's you know the great example of a perfectly capable ball player filling uh, filling in uh, a spot that was a blindingly obvious need. Uh, the Red Sox getting Ian Kinsler, you know, after uh, struggling without Dustin Pedroia. I mean, just there, there are a lot of these and uh, promptly promptly injured. Promptly injured, but you know that's at least it, you know the the theory was correct, even if the uh, process hasn't quite worked out yet. I think uh, in time it's they're going to be fine because I don't think Ian Kinsler is going to uh, uh, perish while on the DL, and I think that uh, uh, the Red Sox, who may not get Dustin Pedroia back at all this year, will be better having him play there than having uh, Eduardo Nunez and his uh, various collection of uh, flaws and deficiencies. Yeah, I think Jay Happ also injured right after the. Uh... Jay Happ got got hand, foot, and mouth disease, which whew, 
I mean, second pitcher to, to come down with that in, uh, you know, in, in about a month after, after Noah Syndergaard. And, uh, Wait, well, they, they have really got hand, foot, and mouth? Yes, yes, he did. That's yes, a, he did. My, son, my son was literally diagnosed with that this morning. Oh, good Lord. Yeah, we've had, we've had a couple scares of that in our household, too. Fortunately, they've proved, proven to be uh, uh, false alarms. But uh, we had, a, I think, an, inc- an instance of heat rash. Ugh. Earlier, so that's what... earlier in the which was no fun at all. But, but uh, this, you know, we took her to a, you know, a, a kind of a walk-in pediatrician on a weekend, and you know, she said it might be this. But uh, by the next day, the spots were gone. And does he have? Does he have a child? Do we know? Does because oh, does Jay have? Does I, Jay I, have? That I, I honestly don't know. I, I didn't uh, get a chance to. Uh, I have um, to assume. I'm going to assume he does. Yeah, I don't. I, mean, I know. He... I know. Syndergaard got it because he was doing a clinic. Uh, for some children, and that—that's probably how he contracted it. I'm not sure uh, how poor Jay Hap contracted it. Yeah, well, it's actually not uh, not so bad. Although I I was reflecting on this today. I think hand, I think hand, foot, hand, foot, and mouth. Well, I think it's uh, to me, it's not a great name for it. <laughs> Are you still bummed about the the lack of a lack of an Oxford comma there? <laughs> I guess it's spelling it out. <laughs> now, hand, foot, and mouth, actually. So if our doctor told us hand, mouth, foot. No, or maybe that's just how my wife said it. Really, I think my wife is at the root of this entire problem. <laughs> oh, jeez. Which, which is not shocking. Yeah, I guess what? The mouth hurts. Mostly your mouth hurts and you have a fever, I think, is how it is. Yeah, that sounds unpleasant. Yeah. That sounds unpleasant. Most, most of us would pass it, given the opportunity to have that. <laughs> yeah, I think so, yeah. Some blistering on the hands. Mm. I have to assume he's got a child, but but you're maybe you're right. It, it's the same thing with Syndergaard working with children. We brought we were just in Montreal and we brought our child to a place called Bougie Petit, Bougie, <laughs> Bougie Petit or Bougie Petit. Literally uh-huh. means like little movers or little moves. Um, okay, but it's like an indoor playground, I guess. An but indoor contagion very... factory. <laughs> yes, yeah, I think that's what it, it doubles as, or maybe. It's you know maybe it's like the what the Yale the Yale shock uh, shock testing or shock uh, experiment. Oh jeez, uh huh. Do you know what I mean by that? I think I think I do. Where uh, the, the um, yes the uh, yeah the um the science, the Milgram experiment Milgram experiment yes yeah where where the, like, I think oh, we, we you, just watched a movie on that last year. Um, you did yeah yeah where yeah. you know he says oh you have to uh, you have to shock him and you're like oh he sounds pretty dead. Well it's it's best for the right the experiment if you shock him. Right. So much like, you know, the, many experiments are constructed so that they seem to be, so as far as the participants in the experiment are concerned, it, it seems to be testing one thing, but it's actually looking at another. Right. So this, what indoor gymnasium essentially in uh, in Montreal, <laughs> it, it looks on the outside like it's, um you know, like that's its purpose, but really it's a scientific experiment. Mm-hmm. A giant Petri dish. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so maybe that's uh, maybe that's what we ran into. Well, it worked in this particular case because not unlike Jay Happ, he got a hand, foot, and mouth virus. So I guess uh, what? So he'll be he'll be back. He'll be back. Yeah, I think he's already. I think it was apparently a fairly mild case that only cost him one start. I think they're. He's already been back. Yeah, yeah, he's already been back. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's fair enough. I think that's uh, that's fine. So what did you? Here's my main question about the replacement level killer series, though. Was what'd you learn? What'd you learn that you didn't necessarily expect to learn? You know that I think I was surprised at that that there were like for example the Red Sox were getting by with with killers at three spots. I mean, and this is this is a team that's you know looks like they're set up to make a run at history, if not you know the highest win total in fan, franchise history, possibly even a shot at uh, uh, at the Yankees' 114 wins from 1998 or the uh, Mariners' 116 wins from from uh, 2001. I mean, they they were as of Monday. 
uh, as of Sunday, when they swept the Yankees, they were on pace for for 113 wins. So, I mean, you know, but they're getting, you know, replacement level production at catcher, you know, whether or not Christian Vasquez has been healthy, second base without Dustin Pedroia, and third base where, where uh, Rafael Devers has been, you know, pretty bad and also hurt a couple times. So, you know, their outfield, I mean, they've got two of the five best hitters in all of baseball and Mookie Betts and, and, and J.D. Martinez. You know, I've got a great and Andrew Benintendi. And Andrew, ben, Andrew Benintendi, I think, is is in the top fifteen in the AL and uh, WRC plus. And uh, uh, then you've got Jackie Bradley Jr., who is uh, uh, a great uh, fly chaser. And uh, uh, that outfield is just you know brimming with talent. And the and the pitching has been has been generally pretty good. But uh, they've got these three sinkholes in the lineup that they're somehow getting you know doing it uh, uh, in spite of this. And you know every contender, I think has at least one spot like that. And, you know, some of them, it's not going to matter because, you know, in the AL, there's not uh, not a whole lot of races left. As I uh, chronicled today, the piece about the uh, the Mariners and A's race, that's really the last the last AL race right now is, is seeing who comes out on top there uh, for the second wild card spot. But yeah, just about every team is getting by, you know, every contender is getting by with one of these things. And, and part of the um, part of the game is, is, is to fix those holes uh, so that they don't uh, trip you up come playoff time. I was surprised by because I, I think the Rockies appeared on. Oh my God, the Rockies! Jeez, yeah. I mean, essentially their whole outfield. I think that you can make, and I, and you did. You sort of make an exception for Charlie Blackman because he at least has a pretty recent record of, of yeah. being really good. But at a bunch of spots where you where a team not only expects but basically requires offensive production, they're getting basically none. Yeah, um, and yet they've uh, they've hung around. I don't understand how the Rockies do it. I I, I really I, you know I we mused about this when I was in Denver, uh, and then I wrote about it shortly after. But the, the Rockies' ongoing failure to build an outfield, this mistaken theory that uh, Gerardo Parra, his defense in left field somehow makes up for his extreme lack of offense. It's just this one of the longest running fictions in all of baseball. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean he he has. Well, we can always. I can only speak to the metrics, but he has in the past produced uh, markedly above average metrics, but he's also in his thirties now. Yeah. I mean, he was a great defender in, in, in Arizona. I think he won, was it the, you know, fielding Bible or Wilson defensive player of the year. Yeah. That's, but that's great. like 2011 when, you know, when, when some of us, you know, some of us were, were, were still in short pants. <laughs> yeah. And smoking club cigarettes, right? <laughs> right. Um, but uh, it's uh, the reputation. I think the, the the metrics show that the reputation is long past. He's not doing enough to 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 dig his way out of that hole. And uh, so yeah, the Rockies. I I just still can't figure out how they haven't completely sunk. I also wonder if the park, you know, the park factors that we use to you know with with our to adjust uh, their stats, uh, if there's something a little bit more extreme that we're missing there because they have they're doing so badly in in all of these metrics, but. Some of it's just on the management and, and the lack of success uh, over the long haul, I think, speaks to their failure to recognize certain trends and build uh, build yeah. accordingly. But I guess, I mean, also they have uh, they have they have Nolan Arenado and uh, he provides yes. uh, a margin for error. And yeah, Trevor, Story's, Trevor Story is pretty good. Um, right. I think Story and Arenado were the only positions the Rockies didn't have somebody at least vying for the for the killers. Right. And DJ LeMahieu has been good in the past, but is not having a good season. But, uh, you know, and some of their other guys, uh, you could say that about as well. But uh, like, you know, Carlos Gonzalez, but uh, it just isn't happening for them this year. And yet, 
uh, there they are. They're not. Yeah. Uh, and that's not done for. and that's not even addressing the hundred and whatever million they spent on the bullpen that's not working out with uh, Wade Davis and Jake McGee and who was the other one and Brian Shaw. Right. Yes, Brian Shaw. That's a triumvirate of pitchers. Yeah, it seems as though. Uh, well, I don't know. It's an interesting experiment, I guess. How many uh, decisions can we make contrary to our interests and yet, you know, at least remain within a, a couple games of uh, yeah, they've, the, the lead? Yeah, I mean, the Rockies, you know, for once they've got, I mean, maybe not for once, but they've come up with a good core of, of, of starting pitchers that are relatively young. Uh, John mm-hmm. Gray and Kyle Freeland, Tyler Anderson and uh, Herman Marquez. Herman Marquez, Marquez, yeah. And, you know, it's like the, all these guys are... are uh, uh, are doing pretty well, and that's uh, you know as as foundations for a team goes, uh, that's not bad. I mean, it's like a he- almost you know it's almost like a healthy version of of the Mets. There's nobody as good as uh, Noah Syndergaard or Jacob Degrom, but uh, you know if if the Mets were getting the same results out of their intended front four as as the Rockies are, you know they wouldn't be such a such an embarrassment this year. Yeah, the, uh, certainly the the Colorado Rockies uh, remain an ind- uh, a mystery. Hey Jay. Yeah. I think you've done something uh, about which you'll likely be happy, which is to have fulfilled your obligation to Fangraphs Audio. <laughs> All right. That sounds good. <laughs> yeah. I have a child that uh, despite um, whatever's going on with his hoof and mouth or whatever, he has to wake up from his nap. Yeah, be, sure to, be, sure to, be sure to clean those hooves. <laughs> yes, I know. Yeah, I didn't. Yeah, I, well, hoof and mouth, I think, is very different, isn't it? Yeah, I think that's a different thing. I, I, and what's the thing with your, with a, it's not mad cow, is it? That's a, that's a completely different problem. Right. Yeah, he's probably, that would probably be more dangerous. Yeah, you you want to see a doctor for all these things, but uh, yeah, 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 but that one's particularly unappealing. Yeah, all right, we'll, we'll make sure we'll make sure to revisit that. It has been, however, it has been a pleasure to speak with you. Yes, always a pleasure. Yeah, I'm glad you, I'm glad to hear. So thank you, thank you very much, uh, uh, Jay Jaffe. Here's what I'll say now. I'll say that has been Jay Jaffe, not only author uh, at Fangraphs dot com, but also more importantly, um, at least uh, in some cases, uh, author of uh, the Cooperstown Casebook, a book which he will um, gladly shake for you while kissing your baby. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds good. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm Carson Stooley. That has been Jay Jaffe. His program has been Thank you,